All right, before I get to my next guest, Mark Carnival, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com and get Squares 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout out to another new sponsor, Bionic Gloves. Do what you do better with Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicLoves.com to find the perfect love to up your game. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. And the best part of getting fit for Zexio Clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio Clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador MB Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. It was her 21st victory, and she did so using Zexio 11 Woods and 10 Irons. See how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Mark Carnival. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Annapolis, Maryland, played his college golf at James Madison University, where he was a four-year letterman and a two-time team MVP. While he was there, Mark won the 1979 Governor's Classic and the 1982 James Madison University Invitational. He graduated with his degree in marketing and minored in economics. In 1999, he was inducted into the JMU Athletics Hall of Fame. He turned pro in 1983. He won four times out on tour at the 1984 Virginia Open, the 1990 Utah Open, the 1992 Chattanooga Classic, and the 1997 Nike Inland Classic. He was named the PGA Tours Rookie of the Year in 1992. He finished tied for 25th at the 1998 U.S. Open at Olympic Club in San Francisco. You can now hear Mark on SiriusXM's PGA Tour Radio and PGA Tour Live. He's easily one of the all-time great golf analysts and on-course broadcasters, and I'm very honored to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, happy to be on here, Chris. I hope everything's well with you. Ah, fantastic. With me, Mark, and, and uh, I got to say, my friend, you make every golf tournament that you broadcast better. I'm not sure there is a better person to paint 
the picture that we all, when we're listening to you on the radio, we can't see it. But you paint the picture so well, uh, it really helps us uh, imagine what uh, what we could be seeing. Kudos to you, my friend. You're outstanding. Well, thank you. It's, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I've had many conversations with with people over the years, and I've you know I've been doing PJ Tour radio since 2005. I I did some TV prior to that. I've been doing PJ Tour live uh, for quite some time. But you know, it's I don't consider it work. Um, it's fun. Uh, I know that uh, you know we every week we're out there. People come up and and, and thank us, uh, not just myself, but everybody. What we do and uh, it's it's easy. I mean, I, I when I say it's easy, uh, it, it's it's not something that I've had to work at in the sense of I just talk about what I see, what I how I relate that as a as a former player and, and what I believe the listener wants to hear in order to be able to understand more what's going on. And as I said, it's, I, I, I'm very fortunate to do what I do. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I, uh, you know, with, with people like you and other, you know, I, people understand that, you know, it's, it's, it certainly is a challenge for some people to do it, but uh, I, I don't know if I'm blessed or, or whatever you call it. Uh, but uh, I love doing it. Uh, and it's, uh, I feel fortunate to be able to still doing it. And, I'm happy to be able to provide whatever golf uh, insights, knowledge, uh, so that people can enjoy and understand uh, this game that I love so much, that I owe so much to. So uh, thanks for your kind words. And, and Mike, you use the word easy. Was the transition from being a player to being a broadcaster easy? Did that just come naturally for you, or did you have to train some for that? Uh, I don't know. It just, it seemed to come naturally. And one of the things that going back to my father and, and, uh, you know, one of the things he told me is that, you know, son, when you, 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 your profession gives you a lot and playing professionally gave me a lot. And one of the things he sort of instilled in me and, and recommended and, and he did himself was that you owe it to the game and those behind you to make the game better. Now, I had aspirations of working for the PGA Tour and trying to make the game better that way, and it didn't work out uh, for whatever reason. And uh, by doing by going into broadcasting, I figured, well, okay, I'm going to try to provide something for people and make the game better for other people that may not have access to going to tournaments or be on the road or, or however I'm able to do that. Uh, so when it's when you have a passion for something, Chris, as you know, as you have a passion for 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 your shows and, and all the different shows you do, it's not work. I mean, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's an obligation, although I look at it as an obligation to make the game better. But it, it seems to come naturally. It seems to be easy. And I, I got great great stage advice from a number of different producers over the years that I've worked with, and they said the best thing you can do is talk about what you see. You know, don't. You don't have to go into a lot of stuff. And obviously, there's a big difference between doing TV and radio, where radio, you've got to talk all the time because you've got no pictures. When you're doing TV, you don't necessarily need to talk all the time because you've got the pictures. So, you know, you have to figure out what is it that I can offer that will help either the listener or viewer try to understand what's going on. And I'm not trying to say at their level, but in an easy way for them to understand and be able to picture it. And that's the philosophy that I've taken. And again, it's, 
I go out there and, you know, I'm not one who writes down a lot of notes and about this or, you know, this guy is strokes gained putting. He's second this week or he's 20th coming in because to me, while stats are important for some people, to me, what's important is what's happening right now. So what can I do to paint the picture for someone of what that player is dealing with right now? What, what, how is he approaching this shot? What does he do? So, uh, I probably, it's probably a simple approach to it, but I think it's a more understandable approach, uh, for listeners and viewers. So there's a couple of things that you just mentioned, Mark, that I want to get into. First of all, that. I mean, talk about your preparation to cover a tournament because, as you mentioned, you're not a stats guy, but you've got to prepare in order to be able to talk about and paint that picture about what the course is like, mm-hmm. what the conditions are like, and what we're, what we're listening to. Talk about what you do to, in order to prepare to broadcast a, a given tournament. So normally I will, on a, on a Thursday, I'll, or even on Wednesdays, we'll get an email from my producer and saying, okay, you're going to be, you know, if I'm doing radio, you're going to be covering this group. So I'll go and I'll, I'll look at their, their stats. I'll see what they're doing. You know, I, obviously when you're talking about the PGA Tour, one of the most important stats is where they are on the FedEx Cup points list. You know, how many terms they've won. What is their sort of recent performance been like? And I'll look at stuff like that and, and figure out a way at some point, maybe if it's appropriate, because I think the worst thing, in my opinion, uh, a broadcaster can do is try to force something. It, it's, it needs to be natural. It needs to come out naturally. And I'll give you uh, a prime example that happened last week, and I got a, 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 a big kudos and thumbs up from my producer, and we're talking about uh, – uh, we were out there. I was out following Deke Matsuyama, who currently was – Nine is ninth on the FedEx Cup points list. I think he may have dropped a tenth or whatever. But as in years past, they had the Wyndham top ten, uh, which is a, a reward for the top ten players throughout the season. They get a bunch of extra money. Well, now it's the Comcast Business Tour top ten. And I sort of transitioned from saying that, you know, a decade, which is basically a mirror image of the top ten in the FedEx Cup points, points list. Not basically, it is a mirror image. But I kind of transitioned that, you know, he's ninth in FedEx Cup points and currently ninth in the business, Comcast business toward top 10. And it's just, I think it, it, what it does, as I said, it, it wasn't forced. It just, it came out naturally because if, if you're talking about a player and say he's, you know, currently leading a golf tournament and say it's on a, a Friday or a Saturday, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, to me, if I'm a listener, I'm listening. If I said, oh, by the way, he's kind of strokes gain tee to green uh, for for coming into the week. I'm not so sure people, the average listener or viewer, may understand that. Now, if I say he leads the tournament in greens and regulation, he learns, leans the, the week in fairways hit, I think that's something more they can relate to. I think the strokes gain thing is, I don't know. I, I still haven't figured that out. But I think to me the basic stats. He's you know he's second in birdie average for the year. He's he's averaging four point six birdies per round. I mean I think a guy that wow man he's almost you know he's making five birdies around. I wonder he's he's a good player. I wonder he's you know is he's up there this this year or this week. So it's it's deciphering and and figuring out what I think which stats would apply more to the players that I'm talking about and covering. So not to get inundated with with other stats. And, and to kind of touch on that a little bit, 
I know that stats mean something to a lot of people. I mean, we have guys that are out here now that they get paid to tell players what their stats are. Well, having played 12 years, I know the areas that I'm insufficient at. <laughs> you know, I knew when I was playing if, if I was not very good from 80 to 100 yards. I, I knew that, you know, again, it, but everybody's different. So I'm not, I don't discount what they provide to players. But to me, whatever has happened up to this point to a tournament, to me, is irrelevant. But only thing that matters now is how that player is performing this week, this round, this hole. And as I said, I think sometimes broadcasters can get inundated with stats because I don't think the average person can understand them. So <laughs> that, that's my philosophy for that, if that answers your question. <laughs> it does. But, but let's, let's expand on that just a little bit, right? Because okay. depending on the course and the conditions and all of those sorts of things, it's going to play in, into how well you perform that week. So if yeah. someone were to have come to you, Mark, and I know you said, hey, look, I know where I'm deficient in my game. But if someone had come to you and said, you know what, Mark, this past week you were 137th in strokes, strokes gained putting. And you were 54th and, you know, whatever, right? And, and some one of yeah. the other categories, strokes gained, whatever, right? Is that going to make you change? Because the week before that, the conditions might have been completely different and you might have been eighth in whatever it was in putting yeah. and strokes gained, you know, around the green and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Are, are you going to be, you know, changing something based on your performance of what happened just this past week? Or are you looking at it for the year? I mean, how, how do you, digest all of that stat, all those stats and make any sort yeah. of change you might need to make. I would look at it if it was a pattern. So if it, you know, because you have that way, I mean, every athlete, every person, whether it's in sports or business can have a bad week. I mean, it just, sometimes things don't go your way. Sometimes uh, other factors are part of it. And I think you have to be mentally strong enough to be able to decipher that. I mean, to think a player is going to go out and perform at its highest week in and week out, round after round, you know, month after month is, you know, someone's going to be very delusional. Um, as you, you know, I would always go back and look at my season and I may, I might look at it in chunks, maybe the, uh, a, an eight tournament segment or a five tournament segment. I'd look at, okay, where am I, you know, where am I struggling at? And, and I know it because I was there. I experienced it. I don't, I didn't need someone to tell me, well, you know, you only made two putts from eight to 10 feet in uh, eight rounds of golf. Well, I was there. I, I, I know that. Um, it, it, so it's, it, it's interesting. I, I understand it. I mean, it's, we, we live in a total different world, uh, that when I first, even when I first started playing, I mean, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's fast. Everybody thrives on that information. And while I think, Again, it's like it's like caddies. You know, certain caddies, certain players need caddies to do certain things. Other players need them to do something else. And you have to find the right balance for you. You have to find what you need to perform. And if if you're someone who relies on someone else telling you, you know, you suck at this, or you know, your performance <laughs> here is really bad, then I'm like, okay, I'll bet. I mean, I'll, I'll revert to another thing my father told me. And, you know, this goes to a lot of different areas, but he said, son, no one knows your golf game better than you. 
You know, no one can hey. sit there and tell you how you're playing better than you understand how you're playing. So while it's helpful to go to a teacher to have someone help you, says at the end of the day, you know when you're performing well. You know when you're at your best. The key is you need to find how to be at that best more often than not. So to your point about that guys being out there and, and feeding this information to players, is it too much? You know, as, as a player now, you've got your swing coach, you've got your putting coach, you've got your, you know, your mental coach, you got, you got a stats guy, you got your agent. I mean, there's like this massive amount of people always in your ear. We made the yeah. game too difficult with all of that. Well, I think it's, and I go back to what I said. I think the game has changed a little bit. Not that it wasn't a business when I played or when Arnold and Jack played or when Walter Hagen and Ben Hogan played. Uh, and before that, I mean, obviously you could look at it in so many different, different ways. But I, I think what, what I see on a weekly basis and, and maybe it's, the culture we live in now, you know, it's, you know, obviously I'm, you know, I'm a lot older than, you know, I could be a lot of these players' father. So, you know, I have a different perspective on it. Uh, I, I, I've had discussions with, uh, numerous, you know, respected people in this game that have worked with many players, Dave Stockton senior, uh, Jim McClain, other people. There needs, it seems to me for the most part, one, very few players own their golf swing. And when I say that, one, they don't know how to fix it. They don't know how to adjust to it unless it's perfect. And two, absolutely they get overloaded. Uh, there's like this in-depth process, and I don't know if it's sports psychologists, I don't know if it's coaches, I don't know if it's teachers or whatever it is. There seems to be this sense of doubt um you know i mean i would know when i would hit a golf shot and again people could say well mark you only won one time on tour and you win this or that i mean whatever you could put up you yeah you know your career was a lot better than mine i i, I will i will acquiesce to that but when i would walk off a tee and i knew where my tee shot was i knew halfway to the to my golf ball because i knew where the pin was i knew where the flagstick was i knew what trouble was around me I pretty much knew what I was going to do. I wanted a yardage, and the yardage at the same time, to me, was just something to go by. I mean, nowadays with TrackMan and, and Flight Sky, these guys, I mean, they know exactly how far that they take the club back this far. They know, you know, that, that was, that was not me. That, that, you know, technology passed me by, uh, even when technology got better. It didn't necessarily help my golf game. But I think there's way too much thought of it. Now, I think because players are afraid of making a mistake. You know, one thing I've always believed, and this goes to players, you know, trying to win golf tournaments, whether it's a guy who's a multiple winner or whether it's a player, you know, KH Lee last week trying to win his first PGA tour event. I, I believe this and I, I will, you know, will go to my grave or I'll, I'll say it till the last time I can say something. You have to be, willing to risk losing in order to win. If you if you don't try to embrace that and go for it, your percentage of winning, I think, are a lot less than, oh, what am I going to do if I, 
you know, I've got water left here. If I miss the shot, you got to go for it. You know, and I don't mean that in the sense that you make a, a stupid play where you don't make a smart decision, but you've got to be willing to risk that. And I think I've, I've seen over the years, and I, I'm not going to say names or whatever, but I, you can see, you can sense when a player, does that mean he's nervous? Sure, he should be nervous. But to me, nerves is a is a calming factor to me. But again, I think you need to risk losing in order to win in anything. And people are trying to be successful in business. I mean, if you sat there, Chris, when you started doing your shows, you said, "Boy, you know, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out?" And I, you know, I, you know, if you didn't take that chance, you would never have gotten to where you're at. So I, I think that yeah. philosophy applies to anything. You've got to risk losing in order to win. So let's expand upon that because it's interesting that you say that, Mark. And I've had Hal Sutton on the show a number of times now. And Hal came on Mm -hmm. right after the Players Championship. And one of the things, and Hal said the exact same thing that you said in in relation to, you know, what we saw, you know, with Lee Westwood, right? He's like, look, Lee Westwood needed to win that tournament. He needed to go for the pin on 17 in order to have a chance to win that golf tournament. And he put it in the middle of the green and then, you know, two or three putted. I can't remember if he parred or or ended up bogey in that hole. But he didn't go for it. He had to go for the flag, and he didn't. And that's the difference between winning and losing. And that's the difference between winning a major championship, which has eluded Lee Westwood, versus him having an opportunity to win it. We know the players isn't a major, but it's close. But the the it's sort of the same theme of what you're saying. Players have got to be able to say, look, if I dump this ball in the water on 17, I'm going to lose. But if I don't go for this pin, I'm not going to win. And am I going to be willing to settle for second or third place money? And uh, well, I had a nice tournament versus holding the cup at the end of this championship. I think that's the same thing you're saying. He said it with, with respect to Westwood. And I, and I would, I absolutely respect Lee. Uh, he's a great player. I mean, I, you know, but I, again, there's 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 a difference. There's a fine line between that, and it doesn't disparage someone's ability. Uh, I think it's something that, again, you know, if someone told me, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You don't win. What's the best thing that's going to happen is you win. So right. you've got you've got you got to make that choice. And yeah, you know, maybe Lee was trying to hit it close, and he pulled. Who knows? You, you know, you 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 don't know. You know, people think. You know, they see a shot and it's well offline, so they may assume. And I'm not saying anything that I'm not saying yes or no about what Lee did, but you have to believe you would have to be a little more aggressive. And you don't pull off the shot, okay? Plus, Lee Lee Westwood is going to be fine the rest of his life. Right. He's won enough golf tournaments. He's won enough money. But that elusive, somewhat big tournament has eluded him. You know, uh, again, right. it's not a, it's not a knock on players personally. But I'm just, my observation is, I can see it. I see it happen out there a lot. Well, Mark, I, I know you're you're out of Kiowa, so we got to get uh, a couple of insights from you. Um, 
Golf course is going to play potentially the longest in major championship history, almost 7,900 yards. I learned, uh, I was talking with Tom Patrick at the top of the show as I was doing some research that the Kiowa has the, uh, the most seaside holes of any course in the country. So we know mm-hmm. that there's going to be wind and it's going to be a huge factor in the course could, uh, you know, I, I potentially play over 8,000 yards and it's got a course rating of 77.2. So what are you expecting <laughs> to see this weekend? I'm not sure what the course rating means, but that's, that's another stat thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I was out there today and I was walking with a couple of different players and talking to them. Uh, the golf course is in great shape. Uh, the winds are not supposed to be, uh, ridiculous. Uh, you may get some winds in the, uh, in the high teens, but you know, we're not supposed to get, at least at the moment, I, I haven't seen any forecasts for a lot of gusty winds. It's going to be strong. It's going to be a challenge. And, you know, it's particularly a challenge if you happen to start one of the days on 10, because you go out 10, 11, 12, 13, then you turn around and 14, basically through five is back into the wind. So you've got a, a pretty tough stretch there. Uh, but I, you know, I, to be quite honest with you, I was here nine years ago when they had this, had the PGA championship here in, in 2012. I had played it probably five years prior to that, Chris. I got out to the golf course. I had a hard time remembering the golf course. And I don't know why. I mean, I, I that's, it's strange. Uh, there's a, you know, people have talked about it. It's the hardest golf course in the U.S. You know, we had the Ryder Cup, the War on the Shore, but I had a hard time remembering the whole. And I mean, a lot of them look very similar. Now, again, it's been a while since I played it. And then when you're, when you're broadcasting and walking along, you know, you'll see the hole, but again, when you're playing it, it, it presents a different uh, challenge for you. Uh, but it, it, everybody I've talked to said it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I, again, I think a lot of it could depend on your, the wave of the tee times. Uh, if you get a lucky draw, if you get maybe a little unlucky, uh, it could be a factor. I think, again, it's going to be one where I believe it's a player that probably controls his golf ball the best. Maybe not. You're probably not going to, it's not going to be a tournament where you, you see a guy just go crazy on the greens and, and win. Now, maybe if, he, if he's able to do all the other things, sure, he might run away with it, uh, like we saw Rory do in 2012. But I think it's, while putting is going to be very important, I think the other aspects of the game are going to probably play a bigger factor this week than they might in some other major championships. Mark, just a couple more before I let you go. And when you, when you look back to the, to the mid nineties forward, we've seen some players emerge at a PGA championship. Guys like mm-hmm. Y.E. Yang and Bob May, Rich Beam, good friend of ours, Sean McKeel. Um, those kind of guys have sort of come up and, and, and won a major championship at a PGA. Do you think that that's, that's somebody, you know, that kind of, that caliber of player, we might see somebody emerge as a champion, or do you think, because of the conditions, because of this course, because of the length, it's going to be someone that we're more used to. A Rory could repeat uh, at that site or a Dustin Johnson, somebody like that. tend to lean more that way, Chris, but I would never sit here and say it's not possible. I think one of the other factors, and obviously we've lived in these last 14 months of pretty strange times, and, you know, we had uh, – Two major, we had three major championships, uh, last year that had very few spectators. 
Uh, I think last year's PGA Championship was very unique. Um, again, I, I'm not taking anything away from Colin Morikawa, uh, but I, I think if there were normal fans out there, I'm not so sure he pulls off that tee shot on 16. Uh, I'm not saying he wouldn't go on to win again. I, I'm not taking anything away from Colin Morikawa because I think he's a spectacular player and, and he's, he's a nice young man and he seems very well, you know, put together with all aspects, both his personality, uh, his appreciation for the game and everything. So I, I don't want your listeners to mistake that. But it's going to be the first time where we're going to have a larger number of fans at a major championship. And I think players that have been there before, uh, and particularly a Roy McElroy, a, a Justin Thomas, a, a Dustin Johnson, that I think without question have uh, fed off, off, off the fans and the energy that they created uh, is, is going to give them a boost uh, again, but I, but would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me if you know, like last week, a guy like Cage Lee uh, were to win. Um, but it's tough; it's a tough challenge. Uh, things are going to have to go that player's way. Uh, but I would tend to lean towards more of an experienced player winning this week for for a number of reasons. Mark, you did a, a great job. I was listening to your interview, speaking of K.H. Lee, following the golf tournament this past weekend, and obviously his first win and that sort of thing. Um, but he's a guy who switched putters. And mm. when, I, when, I, when, I, when I heard you talking to him about switching his putter, I, I started thinking about you know guys that have done that. DJ has done it. We saw Tiger do it a couple of years ago. Jack Nicklaus, obviously, in 86 at the Masters, changed putters. And, and the immediate success that comes from that. Um, is that a confidence building thing? What, why do you think that, uh, we've seen some of the, some of the players go out and win a golf tournament right after switching putters? Well, I think obviously they have struggled with it in order, you know, for, for even thinking about switching, something is not right. Either does not make putts. The feel of it is not there. And I think you players, you know, will pick up a putter. I mean, I've done it, uh, in, when I was playing where you pick up one and it just, wow, this thing feels great. And, you see, whatever for whatever reason, you see the line. Uh, you just feel the ball, you know, working the direction you're 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 trying to feed it to the hole. Uh, there's a lot of factors because it's you know all these guys are so talented, Chris, um, and it could just be something that's minor. Uh, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe somehow their putter got dinged a little bit and the the loft got off a little bit and it just doesn't look right. And you know, you you find something that you feel and. I always knew I could, I could hit a couple putts, you know, when you're playing there and there's a number of uh, manufacturers that have bags around the, the, the putting green that the players use to, to practice on. And you'll sit there and you'll, you'll pull out a putter and you'll have a couple putts like, wow. And next thing you know, you know, it's in your bag and you're using it and you're making putts. And uh, it's a, that's putting to me is the most unique sort of, uh, I don't want to say aspect, but it's the neat, the most unique part of your game because every other part of your game needs to be somewhat structured in the sense that the only way you're going to be able to control your golf ball is if you control the club face. I don't care how you get it back behind your body or how you finish it coming through, but unless that club face is square, you're not going to be able to be successful. The putter, it's, it's just, there's so many other factors that could be in there. I mean, again, it could be a, it could be a half inch flatter. It could be just something about it that doesn't have to be 
as normal as the rest of your game has to be. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of players change it. Uh, you know, you see players go left hand low or they go for the paw grip or however it's, there's, there's more feel in putting, I think, than any other aspect of a player's golf game. And I think that's why you can see players making a change, being successful. Mark, before I let you go, and I know you got off Twitter recently, is there a, a way for our listeners to stay up to date with all the things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or somewhere on social media? Uh, probably not, unless you give them my phone number, Chris. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, obviously in this strange time that we're living at, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've just gotten, I've just, I, I'll, I'll do quite a few events. You know, the remainder of the year for PJ Tour Radio. This week I'm, I'm working for, uh, Sirius XM, uh, for PJ Championship Radio. I'll do probably four or five more, uh, PJ Tour Lives this year. Uh, I wish I could put that out there. Um, but I just, I couldn't take it anymore from all the content that was out there. And I realized that maybe that's a selfish thing on my part because I know, I understand people want to know. Uh, but, um, I'm getting too old for that, Chris. <laughs> I understand, my friend. No worries. Mark, it's always a huge thrill getting to spend time with you. Uh, you're fantastic in, uh, as an interviewee, and uh, the, the job you do for all of us painting the pictures of the PGA Tour. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule during PGA Championship Week to come back and be a part of the show, my friend. I hope we get the privilege of catching up again soon. Well, I'm sure you will, Chris. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Appreciate everything you do, not only for golf, but everything else. So you, you certainly keep, uh, fans informed, uh, in many ways. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you as well. No, oh, thank you very much for that, Mark. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We we'll look forward to catching up soon. Thank you. Take care. See you, Mark. That's the great Mark Carnival. And folks, um, seriously, nobody does it better. Than Mark does. He's a, a, a wonderful um, on-course broadcaster. He paints the pictures better than anybody, and uh, takes us sort of inside, uh, you know, the, the PGA Tour player's mind, which is what we just heard here during this conversation. Uh, and on top of that, he's just a great human being. So I thank Mark very much. I, I know he's got a huge schedule this week, being a part of PGA Championship Radio and uh, over on SiriusXM, and to get uh, 30 minutes with him is uh, is a huge honor. All right, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Tom Patrick, Joe Groman, and Mark Carnival for joining me. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And folks, next week's scheduled to join me are a quartet of great friends, starting with Golf Channel Academy lead instructor Keith Jarvis. Really looking forward to having Keith back as part of the show. Dr. Bob Jones IV, Bobby Jones' grandson, he'll be back with us. Really looking forward to catching up with Doc. The best author on the planet, in my view, and former Golf Channel producer Keith Hirschlin is going to be here. And another one of the top instructors in the game, and a birthday boy today, Brian Jacobs, will join me. Happy birthday, Brian. Looking forward to catching up with you next week. So it's going to be a great show, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with me. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great podcasting sites and apps like podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, 
Player.fm Odyssey. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting site or app, we're probably on it. Just type next on the T in the search bar. I'm sure you'll find us there. And if you enjoy the show, please do me a favor and go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for the show in their Hot 50 list. When you're on the site, just click on Hot 50 at the top. You're going to get a drop-down list that includes Hot 50 voting. Click on that, and then just type in the name of the show next on the T, and then my name, Chris Mascaro, in the host section. I really appreciate your support. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the T a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.